You're listening to the Sportsman's Empire Podcast Network brought to you by Full Sneak Gear. Check out their entire lineup at fullsneakgear.com. Also be sure to check out our entire stable of podcasts at sportsmansempire.com. Interstate Batteries offers a wide variety of batteries for your everyday needs. Stop into one of their thousands of retail locations and talk with a battery specialist about batteries for your truck, trail cameras, and even those weird batteries for your rangefinder. Interstate Batteries even offers cell phone repair in certain locations. For more information, visit interstatebatteries.com. Interstate Batteries, outrageously dependable. New from Moultrie Mobile, the Feed Hub offers first-of-its-kind cellular connection and control for nearly any spin cast feeder on the market. When used with the Moultrie Mobile app, you can monitor feed and battery levels, run feeders on demand, receive alerts when feeders are clogged, and remotely adjust feeding times. The Feed Hub is ideal for anyone who maintains feeders. Remove the guesswork and save time by planning feeder maintenance before you drive to your hunting property. For more information, visit MoultrieMobile.com. Welcome to the Nine Finger Chronicles Hunting Podcast. I'm your host, Dan Johnson, and I can't believe that 2024 marks 10 years of podcasting. Over the last decade, I have had the pleasure of talking with hundreds upon hundreds of passionate outdoors men and women who share the same excitement for hunting as I do. Whether you hunt public lands or private property, shoot traditional archery equipment or high-powered rifles, we all have one thing in common. And that's our love for the great outdoors. This year, I plan on continuing that tradition and bringing educational and entertaining content to your ears. Thank you for your continued support, and I hope you all have the best seasons of your life. Good vibes in, good vibes out. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to another episode of the Nine Finger Chronicles. On this No Foreplay episode, we're going to be talking with Andy May. Everybody knows about him. He's a, a hardcore slayer, uh, and if there is a mature whitetail within a mile of him, he can smell exactly where they're located, and he moves in for the kill, and he destroys their life. So that's who we have on the podcast today. But we're not talking about hunting strategies. We're going to be talking target panic versus buck fever. Are they the same or are they different? And Annie, uh, Andy puts in his two cents. So that's what today's episode is about. I'm going to run through these real quick. If you are looking for a saddle, check out Tethered. If you're looking for some of the badass, most badass, yeah, I'm going to start that over. If you're looking for a saddle, go check out Tethered. If you're looking for a badass broadhead, go check out Wasp. If you're looking for a badass set of binoculars or optic, any type of optic, go check out Vortex Optics. If you are looking for some of the highest quality in scents, go check out Code Blue Scents. If you're looking for a badass habitat tool slash machete, go check out Woodman's Pal. And if you're looking for a badass camo company, that uh, has a badass layering system then you need to go check out Huntworth and last but not least my friends 
If you're listening to this, you got to go check out fullsneakgear.com. Badass clothing lineup. Um, got some new shirts in today. Got some reprints in today. And I'm looking forward to getting those out to you. So, excellent episode. Andy May is here. And uh, you guys are going to be entertained and educated in this one. Uh, good vibes in, good vibes out. And we'll talk to you when we talk to you. Three, two, one. All right, ladies and gentlemen, welcome to another episode of No Foreplay right here on the Nine Finger Chronicles podcast. And today I am joined by Andy May. Andy, how you been, man? I've been good, buddy. That's uh, good. Sounds like we're, we're both uh, super busy with kid stuff. <laughs> he just rattled off your uh, oh, yeah. schedule. It's more hectic than mine, but uh, I can relate. Yeah, uh, that's, uh, I, I didn't realize how much driving is done with the amount of kids that I have back and forth to practices and play dates and school and and just the schedule is ridiculous. We don't even have, out of seven days, we don't even have a day where we do anything. There's always something. Yeah, 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 I know, man. It's a different time. It's, uh, it's fun, fun to be involved, fun to watch them do these things, but yeah, it's, it's uh, a lot big difference from when we were kids that's for that's sure. a fact that's a fact all right so this is no foreplay and that means that there we're not going to bs we're getting right into the topic at hand today and okay. the first question that i have for you is is there a difference between buck fever and target panic um okay well first i want to say i'm not the foremost expert on this yeah. by any means. Um, I'm not an archery coach, but I have been doing it a long time. I have learned from a lot of people that know a lot more about this than me. I've sought out information. I've tried to learn as much as I can on this topic because it's something I've struggled with. Um, in my opinion, those are two different things. Um, I think target panic is you know, the ability or the inability to run like a smooth shot process. Um, and it's kind of losing the connection between um, you're trying to aim at the target and you're trying to execute a shot and you're, you're switching between those and you're kind of worried about missing and you're worried about your pin flow. So you're, it often comes out at like, uh, comes off as like you're you're slapping the trigger, punching the trigger, doing a drive-by as your pin goes across the vitals or across the target, and you're you're trying to time that release. Um, and that can start off small. It can exacerbate into some really bad problems. Um, I've I've ran through the whole process of that. Buck fever, in my opinion, is just getting so wound up over the big buck encounter so nervous the adrenaline is going your heart rate is going your body is shaking you're you're so wound up that um you're kind of losing control of your fine motor skills um you might be rushing through the process because you're so nervous um it's i think those two things are are different but what i do think is i think a lot of people call um, target panic, buck fever. Mm-hmm. Uh, to me, to me, I think I still get buck fever. Like I get jacked up, man. I mean, I've killed a lot of animals and I still get jacked up to the point where my heart 
is pounding. It feels like it's going to come out of my chest and I have to physically think, slow it down. I have to manage my breathing pattern and I go in three, out three, and then my heart rate starts to slow down. Even after all these years, um, I still have to manage that, but I don't punch the trigger and I don't have target panic anymore. To me, that's buck fever. And I think a lot of people have a hard time controlling that, um, the, the buck fever thing. But I think a lot of guys are suffering from target panic and then, you know, it just kind of gets thrown in with buck fever. I think, um, you know, those intense, high pressure situations, if you are dealing with some form of target panic, that's when they really tend to come out. A lot of guys can can do okay in the backyard, and, you know, they're putting them in the vitals, but then you, you get in that high tense situation and, you know, your heart rate's going and you know this is your one opportunity and you're looking at the rack and it's like everything is, is very intense and it's hard to, to slow that moment down and just stay calm and collected and to execute a good shot. And a lot of times when you draw back and you put that pin on the target, the people that don't have a solid shot process um, will tend to just, as soon as that pin hits hair, you know, they're slapping the trigger or doing some sort of drive-by and boom, hammering that trigger. So in my opinion, two different things, but I think target panic gets lumped into um, buck fever. I, I self-admittedly, I get buck fever. I still usually put the arrow where it needs to be, but it takes a, it takes a lot of mental, um, you know, a lot of uh, thoughts for me to overcome mentally in that moment slow down, execute a good shot, breathe, calm down, breathe, slow it down. These are types of things I'm saying to myself, Yeah. but I don't punch the trigger and I haven't in years. Um, I always, always execute a good shot, but that doesn't mean I'm steady. It doesn't mean my pin's not doing this because I'm jacked up because it, it, it does, you know, especially yeah. um, on a big buck, you know? So that, that's my opinion on that. Okay. So let's talk a little bit about target panic, and, and I, I want to hear your experience. You mentioned that you struggled with that for a while. Number one, how did you identify that you had target panic? And number two, what did you do to fix it? Yeah, well, um, I didn't know. I mean, I when I first got it, I didn't know what it was. Um, I just knew that I was shooting good one day, and then things slowly started to deteriorate. Um, really what happened was I started shooting longer distance. So, you know, I was always 20, 30, you know, shooting at the block target or the 3D target. Well, then I was like, well, if I can shoot out to 40, that's going to give me more opportunities. So then I was shooting out to 40 and I'm, you know, hitting in the vitals. Well, if I can shoot out to 50, I can, uh, I might, maybe I'll get more opportunities. This is, this is 20 years ago, you know, 15, 17 years ago before I knew any better. Well, as you know, when you go back, um, your per your perceived pin movement increases because the target's smaller mm -hmm. because it's further away. The pin stays the same size because it's always in the same spot, and it's really dancing around because you you start to realize how unsteady you are the further you get back. Well, when your pin's dancing around, all of a sudden it's like, okay, I don't want to miss the target, and you're like trying to hold it steady and it's, it's out of the target it's in the target you're at 50 60 yards so you start timing it 
you know, you start driving by and timing the release as it crosses the circle or it crosses the deer's vitals. And that right there is, for me, was the beginning of target panic. Then it turned into, okay, I'm back there and I'm and I'm really worried about, you know, holding it steady and I was freezing below the target. So my pin is coming up and it's like stuck, you know, right here. And it's like, I feel like I can't get it up and then I'll just jerk it up and hit the trigger. Um, very common symptom of, of target panic. So it, it started out like that, you know, little symptoms like that. And then it started to turn into these big time jerks. Yeah you know, coinciding with a punch. And, I, you know, now out of every five shots, I'm, I'm literally missing the target because I'm jerking so much. And then it just got worse and worse and worse. And I'm like, what is going on? Because I was a good archer. Like I was getting in these, these local leagues and like destroying everybody. Um, like I could shoot a bow, but all of a sudden it was just like, I, I, I felt lost. So, um, One second, I'm gonna interrupt. Um, I'm gonna interrupt you there, because sure. that same thing happened to me. All right, and yep. I, 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 I felt like for me, I said I'm gonna shoot my way out of this, right? But I didn't have a plan yeah. in how to get better. It was just this will come and it'll go, right? Because yeah. I was, I was dead eyed dick for a while, and then all of a sudden, just like you, started backing up, you know planning on Western hunts, planning on longer shots, things like that. And then I was doing the same thing. I was losing, I was losing arrows. You know, I'd yeah. start the year out with 12 arrows. And then by the time it was hunting season, I'd have six. And I'm just like, oh my God, like what? To the point where I literally set down my bow for two straight weeks and didn't shoot at all yeah. because I felt like that was the answer. And, yeah. and so when when you started struggling, did you notice that the more you shot, the more you struggled? Oh yeah, because you're you're practicing. You're you're basically what you're doing is you're just uh, you're practicing your own mistakes yeah. over and over and over and over. You're really not fixing the root cause of it. I had the same thought. I'm going to just keep shooting until I don't do this anymore, and I'm just going to concentrate more. And the more I concentrated, the more I tried to hold that pin steady, and the more you know, the more I started like really holding it steady and trying to punch it. And what you're doing is you're just reinforcing that terrible shot sequence and it just keeps getting worse and worse and worse. I mean, there's a lot to be said. I have, I have friends that literally, they don't really love archery. Like I love archery. They'll hunt and then the bow goes in the case. The bow doesn't come out of the case until a week before season. They shoot a few shots at 20, 30 yards and these guys kill you know, killed here every year, mm -hmm. don't seem to suffer from anything. They're like, target panic, what's that? You know, they have no idea, using crappy releases. But I think the guys that, like, love archery, and then they have this mindset of, like, I want to be a better archer, I want to be better with my weapon, I want to be a better bow hunter. So they, they want something in the off-season to work on. That's, that's my mindset. Like, yeah. how can I get better? One of the obvious things is get better with your weapon. So I love archery, I love tinkering, I love tuning, I love shooting. So it's just like more and more shooting, more and more shooting, more and more shooting. And next thing you know, I got this full blown target panic and I'm just a mess. Yeah. And then it translated into, you know, two or three seasons of just like really bad shots, you know, wounded animals, some miss, missed animals, long track jobs, lots of gut shots, you know, just like 
just garbage, you yeah. know, and, and I, I really didn't know what was going on until I started to dive deep, you know, a lot. I think I started learning stuff on archery talk. I was on there a lot, you know, in the early years and, you know, you'd start to see these things, you know, target panic, punching the trigger. So I'd read, you know, then a guy would post a video. Then there'd be a guy on there that just like, you could tell he was like a target guy. He's like, Oh yeah, I had target panic and I switched to a hinge and this, well, you start to, you start to, when you're really looking and you're trying to fix that, you start to come across people that have been through it that know more than you. And that's what it was. I ran into this guy on archery talk. I remember his, his name cause he freaking changed my life. Um, on archery talk, it was just Paget, P A D G E T T. And, uh, he had these great posts about how, you know, how he used to punch the trigger and he shot, um, tournaments and he hunted and he, I, I reached out to him and then we started, you know, having conversations and he just really made of all the things I read and all the the people that I talked to, he, he really made the most sense to me. Um, the way he described the, the, the proper shot process or how to beat target panic and what to think about during the shot and what not to think about what to worry about and what not to worry about. So that guy, um, you know, and then other, I reached out to some professional archers, you know, I got, you know, help from, from Levi, from, uh, um, chance Bobath, you know, these are world-class archers. And then I find videos on YouTube of, of drills and what some of these really high level archers were thinking about during the shot. And that's when I be like, began to realize, like, I've been doing this wrong, mm-hmm. you know, and wrong. When I say wrong, I'm not saying guys that punch the trigger are wrong. There's guys that can command shoot. And that's what that's called. You know, when you just hold the pin on the target and you say, okay, I'm going to shoot now, or like it's ready to go. And you just, you know, move your finger, squeeze your finger. That's called command shooting. That's not wrong. You know, inherently that's not a wrong way to shoot, but for a lot of people that turns into target panic. Okay. Some people, some people, it doesn't, um, you know, you look at guys like Cameron Haynes, you look at guys like Tim Gillingham. I mean, awesome archers. They're command shooters. You know, they, not all of them hammer the trigger, but a lot of them are command shooters. I think some people can do that. And some people can do that very accurately. A lot of people, um, a lot of people start down that road and then end up getting target panic. You talk to a lot of these professional archers, almost all of them had a bout of target panic at one point. And what do they all end up going to? They all end up going to a hinge. You know, they all end up going to, um, you know, a thumb button or something and they're executing in a way where they're not punching the trigger. That's usually the guys that are, that are winning or at least the guys that are most consistent. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, there's nothing wrong with command shooting. There's nothing wrong with punching the trigger if you're not developing all these other problems. There yeah. are guys that go out there and do it. So I don't ever tell people, hey, you need to change. But if you're going down the road that I went down and that you went down, you need to change because you will not shoot your way out of it. Yeah. You will not just figure it out. It, it'll just get worse and worse and worse. The more you worry about it, the more you try. So um, there is a way to beat it. It takes some discipline. It takes some commitment. It takes a rewiring of your brain and how, what actually the shot process is. Um, and I mean, we can go into that if yeah. you want. Well, 
So the the thing that I want to ask real quick is, did you have a release change? Because I've noticed that I started, it's crazy how this works. For all the years, I've been a wrist release guy, okay? Pull the trigger, it's on my lease, that's how I pull it back. And I could not, I put him in a box somewhere after the season or after last season was over and I could not find my wrist release. I, I have no idea. Ultimately, it showed up, but... So I had a thumb release that I had bought several years ago and just never started using it. And so by default, I started using a thumb release. And I noticed, and this is my personal story, is a lot of problems went away when I moved from a wrist release to a thumb release. I'm, I can't honestly say I know what, what, that, what the reasoning is behind that, except for I think a lot of it had to do with punching the trigger on my, well, not my right index finger, but I use my middle finger to pull the trigger now. And yes. and so going from that to a steady thumb squeeze, I'm assuming is what made it, like made me have less mistakes. Yeah. So, um, you know, sometimes when you change a release, I mean, that's a pretty dramatic change for an archer, you know, going from a wrist strap to a handheld sometimes changing a release like that can just give you a mental reset it Mm -hmm. feels different it's easier to try something different um but you absolutely can acquire target panic and punch a thumb trigger yeah 100 percent. and if you're shooting it the way you just described by slowly squeezing your thumb that is a command style shot execution Mm -hmm. again there's nothing wrong with that but a command style where you're actually moving your fingers so I'll just kind of, you know, exaggerate this, but you got your thumb, you know, you put your thumb on the trigger and then you're slowly squeezing your thumb like this. Mm -hmm. That is a command style. You are saying, okay, it's time to shoot. Squeeze, 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 squeeze. Now, if you can do that slow and steady consistently and you're not ever going, you know, oh, the deer's, the deer's walking or, oh man, I'm really moving and I need to make it go now and boom, and you hit it a little harder. You know, that's bad. If you start to do that, that's bad. But if you can keep that slow, steady squeeze and be consistent with it, I don't know that there's a more accurate way to shoot. Yeah. But that's really that's really hard for people to do when your body's tense, when the pin is dancing around, um, when the adrenaline is 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 just at an all time high. You think about it. You say you got a circle this big, if that pin's just sitting there like this like you're on a bench rest with a rifle, how easy is it just to put your finger on the trigger and then slowly squeeze because the pin isn't moving, mm-hmm. right? But if you got the same circle and you're full full draw and your adrenaline's going, you're aiming at a big buck, you know, the vitals or whatever, and your pin's doing this, Yeah. okay? It's much harder to just say, okay, slow, steady squeeze when your pin is out of the bullseye, in the bullseye, above the bullseye, it's really hard to shoot that way and stay committed to that slow, steady squeeze. If you can do it, that's, that's ideal. I think, Yeah. because what you really need to think about is like, it doesn't matter what your pin's doing. You just stare at your spot. The pin is going to do what it's going to do. We really can't affect that. The only way to really affect what the pin is doing is to add some, weights you know away from the bow balance the bow a little better that'll slow your pin movement down a little maybe hold it up a little if you need it up maybe slow that erratic movement down a little bit but the pin 
you know, the pin movement is just a, it's, it's just, um, uh, it's a, a thing that has to do with how we're holding, how are we handling this, this high pressure moment in our adrenaline. Um, so it, the pin movement doesn't matter. Yeah. The, the trick is being able to run a smooth shot execution, no matter what your pin is doing. Right. You know, if you can do that, then you're, you're kind of bypassing that punching the trigger. You're not experiencing, um, target panic, but that's a hard thing to do. And that's why a lot of guys switch to like a back tension type of, of method of shot. And that's what I did at first. Um, you know, the release aids, just to jump back real quick, the release aids that tend to cause target panic are the wrist straps, especially ones like not a knock against, you know, this company, but like the old, like true fires and stuff like that, where, you know, you could put your finger on and you have to squeeze it like this for the calipers to slowly open or, you know, those really light ones where you just basically you set your finger on and it trips. Mm-hmm. Those, those types of releases cause target panic because you you either have to hold your finger off and then just tap it, or you have to, you know, wrap your finger around it and you start to squeeze, squeeze. Your brain starts to know, like, I'm getting close. Yeah. You know, it kind of knows when it's going to go off. And then it gives your your body a chance to react or brace, you yeah. know, for that. Yeah. So, you know, switching to something like a thumb or a hinge or a resistance release, I think is, is not a bad idea. There's really good wrist strap releases too that have good triggers where you can you could beat this but sometimes switch and releases like that it does it gives you a little mental reset this is something new i'm trying to change my shot this is this is a new thing that feels different it's easier to do yeah um so the way i did it was i watched these videos i asked these questions and the one thing that that a couple things that that pageant guy told me was he said it's simple it simply doesn't matter what your pin is doing and when I, when I think about that, I'm like, well, how is that? You know, it, 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 that's what matters the most. If my pin's all over the place, how am I going to hit the middle? You know, if my yeah. pin's dancing all over the deer, like I'm going to wound it. No, it actually, it doesn't matter what your pin is moving. What matters is that you run this shoot, this smooth shot sequence and just let your pin float. Like pin float is normal. It's good. Everybody has pin float. The best archers in the world have pin float. They're just the best because they have less than us. Okay. You know, it's yeah. kind of like, yeah, you know, like, you know, Levi Morgan, his pin float is going to be really small, but he's the best. Mm-hmm. You know, we can't, we're not going to shoot like him and we're not going to be able to execute at 100 yards like him. But pin float, pin float, pin movement is completely normal. It's a good thing. See it, accept it enjoy what it's doing don't even think about it and then you run your shot sequence whether that is a wrist strap with your finger wrapped around and you're slowly squeezing that's fine if you can do that consistently or a wrist strap you're wrapping your finger around and you're pulling with your back muscles okay Uh, that's a, a another way to execute a thumb trigger where you're just squeezing the thumb squeeze 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 boom and it goes or a thumb trigger where you're building, you know, using those back muscles and you'll just pull, 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 pull. You're actually building pressure into the thumb rather than moving the thumb. Or a hinge 
draw back and you're rotating the hinge, rotate, 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 letting that pin float, and then the shot breaks. Um, or a resistance release where you pull back, there's a safety, you let off the safety, and then you just pull, 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 pull until it breaks. All of those, all of those shot executions that I just went through, they all create a surprise release, meaning you don't know the exact second it's going to go off. So if you don't know the exact second it goes off, your body can't jerk. Mm. Right. Right. So it's, it's going to, it's going to fire in a window. So all you can do is stare at the target, let that pin float. And there's no reason to jerk or have a convulsion or anything like that. Cause you don't know when it's going to go off. And that's what you're trying to, the guys that, that really had target panic and they're trying to beat it and they're trying to rewire their, the way they think about executing a shot. That's what you're trying to achieve is that surprise shot. Now I'm not saying it's going to break somewhere between, you know, 0.5 seconds and 10 seconds. No, that's too long. Right. Because we're hunting, but we're trying to let it break between, you know, maybe one, two, three break, you know, somewhere in that window. So the way I beat it was I, you know, I talked to this guy and he said, you know, he told me those things and it started to make sense. Like pin float doesn't matter. Mm -hmm. It simply doesn't matter what your pin's doing. You just have to execute the shot. Put more value on the shot execution than where your arrow goes. Like, don't worry about what your arrow, where your arrow goes. Give yourself, and this is something that I learned from John Dudley, score yourself on what happens here, not where your arrow hits. Yeah. Okay. So instead of shooting for a 10 down at, you know, 30 yards, shoot for a 10 here in the execution, like pull, 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 boom. Perfect. That's a 10. Okay. All right. Pull, pull. Oops. I hit the trigger. That's not a 10. That's a seven or a six or a five or whatever. So you're, you're shooting for a, a 10 in the execution and that arrow group, all of a sudden it just starts shrinking and shrinking and shrinking because you're, you're achieving that good shot. You're executing a good, smooth, you know, shot execution. I started with a hinge. That's the first thing I bought because I watched a video with Chance. And he was he was talking about how he executes the hinge. And he draws back. And he takes his thumb off the figure and he just relaxes his hand. Mm-hmm. Just relax, relax. And the way a hinge works, it rotates. So if you relax your hand, like... If you just open your hand and just relax it, it creates an angle right there, okay? And that angle right there, when you relax your hand, your hinge automatically rotates to that angle and it fires. So there's no trigger. There's nothing to punch. It's just relax, 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 boom, it goes off. So that started to teach me the unanticipated release. I don't know when this trigger is going to go or this release is going to go off. So all I can do is stare at my target and let my pin float. Once I mastered that, I started shooting. I wasn't shooting as like pinpoint accurate as I was with a wrist strap when I was really on. But what I noticed was like, okay, at 40, you know, all my shots are like this. Mm -hmm. I don't have one flyer. I'm not missing targets. They're always there where with the wrist strap, when I was really on, I might be like this. But then I'd have a flyer, you know, because I punched the trigger, jerk, shooting over the target, under the target, hitting the ass, whatever, you know. So then once I mastered that, I stuck with the hinge for several months and I was doing drills in my living room. I put my daughter down for bed and I would just drill into this bag. And um, 
until I, I mastered that. Then I went to a thumb trigger. So instead of me, uh, or like how you do, you, you know, you squeeze, squeeze, squeeze. What I did is I, I fired with back tension. So I pull through the shot because that's what a lot of these guys recommended for beating target panic. Get rid of the command style and try to use more of a back tension. So I would draw back, load the trigger up, okay? And then I would never move my thumb again. I just let it flow, and then I slowly pull, 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 pull. This is an exaggeration, obviously. Pull, 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 boom, until the shot breaks. And what you're doing is you're pulling that release forward, and the trigger is moving forward into your thumb. So pull, 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 boom. And then I just, that's just the, became the new way I shot. And what I found out was, this is an extremely relaxing way to shoot because I'm not worried about the pin float. I'm not having anxiety that my pin is dancing around. I'm, I'm actually, Joel Turner, uh, he, he teaches shot IQ. He says, don't worry about your pin. He's, he calls it enjoying the show. Your pin's going to dance around. He goes, just enjoy the show. There's nothing you can do about it. Yeah. You know, execute the shot. And he, he suggests, you know, using some sort of, you know, talk yourself through the process. So, you know, that works for some people, you know, draw back, anchor, load the trigger. And then, you know, if you're going to do a slow squeeze, you could just say, you know, slowly squeeze the trigger and keep the tempo of your voice, slowly squeeze the trigger. Or if you're going to pull through, you're going to go pull, 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 pull. You're actually telling yourself what you want to do in the heat of the moment. And you need to practice that. And you need to say that every time that's his, his teaching. And that works really well for some people. Yeah. Um, but, the, but the ultimate goal with all of these guys and people that are trying to beat target panic is you're trying to get away from punching the trigger. You're trying to, um, execute a, a surprise unanticipated shot. And then once you master that, once that becomes just the way you shoot, you don't punch the trigger. You don't have anxiety when your pin moves. You don't have anxiety about holding your pin on the target. Then you can start to say, okay, you know, there's some advantages with the wrist strap and I want to go back. So what are some quality wrist strap releases that aren't hair trigger that don't have a ton of travel? Okay. There's Stan, you know, Stan makes some great index rate uh, triggers. Carter. You know, all these high-end ones that are like, okay, these guys, you know, there's some, like, tournament, tournament guys that use these types of releases. And it's because you can wrap your finger around them. They don't budge. You can set the spring as heavy as you need to, and then you can just slowly squeeze, and, and it doesn't move. You're just building pressure like a rifle, and then it breaks. Mm -hmm. Or you can wrap it around, and you can pull, 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 pull until it breaks. Yeah. And you're like, okay, now you transferred that new way of shooting that you learned with a hinge or with a thumb or with a resistance release and you're taking it back to the release of your choice if that's a wrist strap great if that's a thumb great if that's a hinge great um i've hunted with all of them even in the last three years i switch regularly because i can and because i want to and because i like helping people this year i went hinge 100 percent, made great shots mm -hmm. um last year i used my index finger never punched the trigger um you know and then the previous years before that thumb and the only reason i switched was because um i felt like it mm -hmm. and i can and i don't have any anxiety going between the two and i think certain there's certain advantages to each one 
what the hinge does do for me, the hint, this particular hinge that I have, I draw back and there's a little safety. It's called a sweet spot. So I come back and it, it literally can't fire. And then when I light my, like my sight picture or the animal like lifts its leg forward or it's about to happen, I click that safety off. And then I just let that pin float and I just relax my hand, relax, 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 boom. And it goes off, goes off somewhere usually between one and three seconds, mm -hmm. which could that, could that cost me an animal at some point because I have to draw back, click the safety off and let it go maybe. But it, to me, that's okay because it's going to collect me so many more animals because I'm making a good shot. Yeah. Um, so yeah, it, it's, it's tough. To beat, first thing you need to do is admit, identify that you have it. Then you need to find some good resources. John Dudley's podcasts are great. There's guys on Archery Talk that can help. You know, I'm happy to help. Um, and then there's there's drills. There's certain drills that will really help eliminate that. But it's something like, just like you're training for a marathon or you're training for a boxing match or you're trying to put on 10 pounds of muscle you have to do this daily. Yeah. You have to you do this, you know, you have to get thousands of reps doing this because you're trying to unlearn something that you have, you learned a long time ago and that you have reinforced over and over and over and over. Yeah. Um, so it does, it takes some time, it takes some commitment, but I was, you know, a couple months of this dude. And I was like, changed my archery life. That's changed awesome. my archery life that's awesome yeah i i enjoyed archery again there were times where i was just like dude this is bad like i wasn't even having fun i'm you know shooting over the target at 30 yards i'm, I'm wounding animals i'm getting on all these big bucks it's like i keep screwing up and it's just like this sucks yeah. you know this sucks like i dreaded it yeah and that just made everything worse yeah so there's a lot of guys out there that you know, I go to the total archery challenge and I mean, there's more good shooters out there now than there ever has been. Like the, the information is there. Um, I mean, guys, like when, when total archery challenge first started, there wasn't like a ton of guys that could shoot like 80, 90, a hundred yards. Like I went there and I felt like, gosh, I'm one of the better archers here. Like I went through that whole course. I'd never missed. Now I go there, like everybody's shooting that far. And, and like, there are some phenomenal archers, but there are still, a ton of guys when you when you back up you know you can see and they're like you know they're really jittery and they're holding their finger off it and it's just like they're really trying to time it boom and some of the things that you can do to identify this if you're locking below the target ever freezing like you're you're you know you bring the bow up or whatever your pin locks below the vitals or where you actually want to hit that's a sign that it's coming you know that's a sign that you're having some anticipation issues or if you can't just draw back and just put the pin on the target, like the deer's vitals or the circle, just let that pin sit there, wrap your finger around the trigger and just let it float, let it float, let it float. Do that for 10, 15, 20 seconds. Then you just take your finger off the trigger and let it down. If you can't do that without this urge to squeeze the trigger and shoot, that's the beginning of target panic. So those are a couple of things you can test for yourself. Like, do I have this? Do I have an anticipation issue? Can I, can I just hold the pin on the target without shooting? You know, can I bring the pin right up to the bullseye without hesitating or getting locked under or, or having this anxiety like that I have to shoot? 
you know, if you don't have that stuff, you're probably good. You know, but if you do, if those are, those are yeah. two things right there that, yeah. uh, you know, that, that will tell you a lot. Yeah. All right. So lots of great information there. The next thing I want to get into, uh, as we wind down here is buck fever. All right. So mm-hmm. you, you talked about, um, you talked about the, the practicing, the target panic side of it. How have you beat it or maybe suggestions for those? Cause I, dude, this year on that big buck that I watched all summer, he showed up. I lost my mind. I executed a very poor shot. And then the next time I went into the woods, I was calm and collective and I drilled the deer that uh, I eventually shot. And so um, for me, a lot of it has to do, you know, like whenever I use the term act like you've been there before. Right. Mm -hmm. And, and so, but it's, it still happened. Any advice for people who struggle really bad with seeing a buck show up, it's a shooter and they lose their shit. Yeah. So that is that we're going to talk about this in a different aspect of, of target panic, right? So this is buck fever. This is something that obviously you deal with. It's something that I deal with. I think a lot of guys do, you know, um, I think people that, you know, hunt all over the world and they're constantly hunting and they're shooting, you know, two dozen, three dozen animals a year. Like they get so much practice in that zone, in that window, in that, um, in that moment, right. That kill moment. They have so many chances to practice calming their mind, slowing their breathing rate that, that they have a big upper hand as opposed to the guy that, you know, lives for hunting, but he's hunting, you know, he's working a full-time job and he's got a family and he's trying to get out. He takes a week's vacation. He goes, you know, on a rut hunt or whatever. And there it is, you know, a big 160 inch buck. And he's like, you know, he's so scared because it's his one chance and he never gets to practice in that moment. So a couple things that help me is shoot a lot of animals. If you can, um, I've tried to start incorporating some other hunts, mule deer, antelope, bear, axis deer, hogs, turkeys with a bow, things where I'm actually shooting my bow at live animals, getting myself more practice in that high situation, high uh, pressure situation, working on immediately when I see that deer, slow it down, slow it down. Uh, So I say to myself, slow it down, slow this down. And I'm trying to literally like everything that's happening almost think about turning it into like slow motion and then I slow my breathing down because my heart rate still really ramps up so I'm like breathing three seconds in three seconds out this is my process and I'm just like calm down you know calm down you're fine you know just self-talk like that and then that really helps um once I can once I can do that sometimes when it, things happen fast you know a doe comes running through and you look and here's a shooter and you're at full draw you come down. I don't get that nervous. Yeah. I mean, I, I'm excited, but it's like you didn't have the buildup, that right. anxiety buildup and that time for that heart rate to really come through the roof. So it's yeah. those moments where, you know, it's coming, you see it coming and you're like, Holy crap. You know, those are the times to really practice slowing everything down, practice lowering your, your heart rate, practice that breathing. And in, when you're in your backyard, 
visualize that stuff visualize like holy like say that like you know there's a 3d target but you're visualizing them coming out this hill in your backyard you're like holy crap okay you know slow down slow this down you're good you know whatever whatever you need to say breathe breathe and i'm literally trying to like visualize that moment and it it it, honestly it puts a little pressure on yourself and when i do that when I think of it in terms of like that, I don't shoot as well than when I just go out and just boom, you know, boom. It, it's like even just thinking about it, I can I can make everything harder on me. I'm a little less steady, but then it gives me a chance to practice. Like, okay, breathe, breathe, steady, slow it down, don't rush, and then just execute my shot. You know, relax, 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 boom. So it gives you a chance to actually practice in that moment, sort of. Right. But shooting more animals, if you can't shoot a lot of animals, which a lot of people can't, money, time, traveling, you know, whatever, um, you know, get into a, a league, an archery league, um, shoot with some friends, with something on the line, um, something where you still have to execute a good shot, but there's some pressure. You know, people are looking at you. People are watching. There's scores. You know, those things are are very, very valuable, and they transfer very well to hunting because, same thing, man, you're nervous, and people are watching, and this is high pressure, and I really have to execute a shot. And, you know, the, the higher the pressure, the higher the stakes, guys are like, okay, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to really try on this one, right? I'm going to really try to hold it steady. And, and that's actually the wrong thing to do. You know, that's actually the wrong thing to do is to think about this moment is bigger than any other moment. Like you're making this this grand moment in your head. Okay, I'm going to really try extra hard here. Well, once you do that, you're already headed down the wrong path. Like this isn't a big moment. You can't say that. This is just another moment. This is just another chance for you to run through your perfect process, your perfect shot execution. So don't inflate the moment work on concentrating more on your shot execution and the stuff that's worked up to this point, meaning relax, breathe to lower the heart rate, let that pin float. I'm not going to try extra hard because that's not going to do anything except tense my shoulder up, tense my arm up, tense my grip up. And now my pins moving anymore. I'm actually going to relax. I'm not even going to care. I don't even care where this arrow goes. What I do care about is running this smooth, perfect shot execution. Boom. Yeah. And the arrow goes where it needs to go. So practice those thoughts. Practice that breathing. We, you know, and I'm guilty of this. Go in the backyard and I'm barefoot or flip-flops and I'm freaking laser beams out to 80 yards and it's like take a picture and send it to my friends or whatever. But that's that's really, yes, that, that translates into some muscle memory. It translates very valuable when you're like tuning a bow, building arrow setups, trying to find what's most accurate. But you think about what's going to really translate into better performance killing stuff, high pressure situations, is putting yourself in those high pressure situations, um, working on bringing that adrenaline down, bringing that heart rate down, visualizing these real life hunting scenarios where the buck of your life is coming out of the, you know, out of the CRP grass and you're, you're down on your knees. Like I, if people saw me in my backyard, you would laugh your ass off. Like I'm, stalk- <laughs> I'm stalking stuff. You know, I'm stalking my 3D target. I'm crawling. I'm crawling. 
I'm drawing back like this and then I'm setting up like this. But the whole time I'm visualizing this scenario that the muley of my dreams is right over the hill or the biggest whitetail of my life is coming. And I'm, I'm working on the mental game of like, all right, you know, here he comes. He's coming. Slow this down. Slow it down. Slow down, Andy. Slow down. And a lot of times if you can just, you know, you can come back to full draw. And when you're in that intense situation, it is everything in your body is saying, get this done now, like shoot it now, get this over with, because it's a very intense, um, uncomfortable feeling, right? Because like, it is affecting your whole body, your mind, your body, your fine motor skills. It's like, get me out of this situation. Like, this is what I live for, but like, this is super intense. But if you can train yourself to just come back to full draw and just take a moment, you know, take a moment, relax. Okay, let that pin flow, execute, execute. That little thought, that little moment you take usually won't cost you an animal. It it might. It might at some point in your journey, but it usually doesn't. And what it usually does give you is 10 times more valuable than that one animal that got away. Yeah. Like I, I hunted with a hinge and I, I was telling my friends, I was like, it's going to cost, it'll cost me, it'll cost me an animal or two, you know, over the next 10 years, but it's going to give me more, you know, it will. Mm-hmm. Cause I know I can, I can execute a really good shot with that. So think about real life practice. And I know we can't all get out there and just hunt 365 days a year. We can't, I can't. So try to, after you work on the muscle memory, you know, with, you know, April, May, June, you're, you're testing broadheads, you're testing veins, you're, you're building different arrow setups and you're trying to zone in on the, the, the setup that you are gonna hunt with. Try to get that done around, you know, July, or, you know, mid June, July. And then it's time to practice real life practice. Like get up in the trees, you know, get up in your saddle and get these contorted shots shoot underbrush test your trajectory like you know over over the landscape you know and you're trying to just drop it into that animal visualize the hunt visualize this high pressure situation and practice bringing yourself down collecting yourself because we don't get enough practice you know the guys that do get enough practice they're doing this for a living they're going everywhere they're constantly hunting um, and that it, you can't top that. But the right. only thing we can do is stimulate it in our brains, or you know, kill some more, you know, shoot some more does, shoot some turkeys, maybe travel around, do, shoot some hogs, and you know, put ourselves in some high pressure situations with our friends or an archery league or whatever. And that's to me, that's the, the best way to kind of like really work on that mental game of slowing yourself down, executing a good shot under pressure which is what, you know, we're trying to beat with buck fever. Yeah, absolutely. Well, Andy, I really appreciate you taking time out of your day to hop on and uh, share some perspective with us. I feel like uh, there are a lot of people, including myself, who I just need to take a little, just a little bit more time to understand the shot process. And uh, once I do that, I I feel like I'll be able to come out uh, a better archer. So I appreciate uh, you sharing that information with us and dude good luck uh, this upcoming season yeah thanks buddy it was fun anytime <laughs>